Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Doing well? Doing well? All right. Well, we are, uh, as, that, as that video, as that graphic, and as Sarah said, we're, uh, we're in week two of our series in the book of James, and so I hope you are excited about that. Uh, we decided, as we said last week, to, to spend some time in this book as a church just because it has uh, just some great practical wisdom. Uh, we've said that, that if you can read the book of James and, and not be challenged, not be convicted about something, it's probably because you're, you're not reading it right or you're, you're not listening or something. It's just a book that has a lot of things that we can learn, and so uh, we've asked uh, as a church that, that we want to read this book as many times this month as we can. Uh, that might mean a chapter a day. Maybe you're, you're a super reader and you can knock the book out once or twice a day. But we want to uh, just spend some intentional time reading uh, this book and, and just let it corporately change us. Let us be challenged and, and see what God has for us. And so we've been spending some time uh, in this book. Last week we were in the beginning of chapter 1. And we said uh, that, that unfortunately in life we're going to face trials, we're going to face trouble. Uh, but when that happens, uh, it's an opportunity to choose joy or to choose to be enticed by sin. And so we said that, that we can choose joy knowing that as we endure through things that, that God is going to uh, help us depend on him, he's going to mature us, he's going to grow us, and we're going to be made complete in him. But we also said that, that if, if we don't make that choice, uh, sometimes we're led by our desires, we give in to temptation, and we act out uh, sin that is in our hearts. And so last week uh, we talked about, like I said, what we do in the, in the face of trouble. And this week we want to take a look at, as we, as we walk this path of life, as we're looking at trouble and as we're trying to follow God, uh, sometimes we, we only see the things in front of us and we forget to look behind us and say, okay, how did I get here? How, how did this become my choice? How, how did these things uh, get in front of me? And so we want to uh, look at... Uh, basically this week, the, the outlook, the, the choices before us, the direction of our walk, and, and also talk about the fact that, that sometimes there are things behind us that, that can get in the way. Uh, sometimes our faith feels like it's in trouble. Sometimes we feel like our, our faith is slipping. We feel like our, our faith isn't really working. We feel maybe you would, you would describe your faith as in decline or, or struggling. Uh, this week we're, we're going to finish up chapter 1 and, and jump into chapter 2, like Sarah said. And our big idea uh, is going to be this, that when we feel like our faith is being attacked, when we feel like our faith is struggling, it's the result of not listening, not seeing, and not acting. When we feel like our faith is struggling, or when we feel like it's in decline, it's the result of not listening, not seeing, and not acting. And so I want to uh, invite you just to open up a a Bible to to James chapter 1. Maybe you brought a Bible today. If you did, we'll try to turn the lights up so you can see it here. We've got it nice and bright for you, hopefully. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there's one under your seat. And uh, maybe you didn't know that or not, but we've got them placed there. And so you can... uh Turn to James chapter 1, that is actually on page 945, so if you want to uh, cheat, I just gave you the page number, and life is way easier now, so go ahead, we'll, uh, we'll turn to James chapter 1, uh, we'll start in verse 19, and just want to read this out loud, and, and spend some time seeing what God has for us this morning, and so James chapter 1, page 945, uh, verse 19 says this, and I'll read it to you, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts. For it is strong enough to save your souls. And remember, it is a message to obey, not just listen to. If you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. For if you just listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. 
Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. Those beginning verses there, 19, 20, 21, kind of get into this topic right away, and, and they, they simply say this. You know, we mentioned last week that, that sometimes we, we find ourselves in trouble. Sometimes we find ourselves staring things in the face that we didn't think were going to be a part of our life, or we feel tempted. We feel like we have a decision to make. And, and, and last week we talked about what can we do, how can we choose to, to follow Christ, to endure him in those times. But like I said, this week we want to say, okay, what, what got us here? What got me into this situation? What path did I put myself on that... that, that Put me where I'm, I'm staring these things in the face. And I think that uh, the, these verses kind of give us a clue right there. They say, my dear brothers, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and, and slow to get angry. Just to, to simply say this, that, that many times in life we're, we, we want to be, be quick to talk, quick to explain ourselves, quick to make excuses, quick to try and, and say, well, this is why this happened, or this is why this is someone else's fault. And, and the writer of James here is just simply saying, sometimes we need, to, we need to slow down, we need to take a step back, we need to realize that, that we don't always have the, the right to talk. We don't always have the right to get angry. Sometimes we've created the situations that we're in for ourselves. And so sometimes as we step back, we have to, have to take an inventory, as these verses say. We have to look at our lives and, and say, okay, is, is this my fault? Am I here because of my temper? Am I here because of my arrogance? Am I here because of the way I've treated people? Am I here because of the way I've been talking? What put me in this situation? These verses go on and, and say that, that the message that God has given us, the message of the gospel, is a message to obey, not just to listen to. And if you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. And so we talked last week that, that we've been given the gospel. The gospel is simply this, that Jesus gave his life for us so that we could know God, so that we could serve God, love God, and obey God. And so in response to him giving his life, we give our lives for him. It's a simple message and a simple message that we can obey, and yet often we don't live motivated by that message. We don't live knowing that message. These verses go on. This is where it starts to get a little personal. It says this, For if you just listen and don't obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. It's like doing nothing to improve your appearance. Now, uh, Maybe I, I shouldn't ask this because this could be mean, but I, w- I was going to say, how many of you looked in a mirror this morning? But now it sounds like I'm, I think that you didn't, right? Okay, but how many of you, how many of you looked in a mirror before you, before you came here today? Okay, all right. Now I need two brave people to go ahead and keep their hands up, two, two buff guys, because I would like to, uh, like to get some volunteers. All right, we got one buff guy, Jeremiah. Thank you. Come on up here. Come on up here. I need another guy who thinks they're, they're even buffer than him or, or, or close to him, close to him. Maybe someone. Tony, you, you lift every week, right? Yep, you do. I've heard about it. I've heard about it. All right. I've got a mirror right over here, so I'm going to invite you guys to go. Yeah, right over there. Go ahead and, and pick that thing up. The good news is that you won't have to look in yourself because it's going to be pointed at everyone else. So go ahead and pick that up. Bring it right over here. Impress us with your strength. Please don't drop it. I just bought it at Ikea. I've been wanting it for years. I'm very excited about it. All right. Bring it over here. And as they're bringing that over, it's probably awkward because you can see your face, right? You're doing what we always do when we, when we see a mirror. We, we notice ourselves. We walk by. We try to act like we're not looking, but suddenly you see your hair, and you, you notice something. You see something. Let's go ahead and walk over here. Some of these people are selfish and want to see themselves, too. You can see it in their eyes. They just have a hunger, all right? But, but you know how it is with, with a mirror. When we see a mirror, we naturally look at ourselves, all right? And so we've all, we've all looked in a mirror and thought, oh, that's not good. And you, maybe you do the, the, the double eyebrow thing, right? Or maybe, maybe you fix some of your hair. Maybe those of us that wear makeup, 
no guy in here, right? But those of us that wear makeup have had to, had to fix something or had to put something on. Maybe you, you thought to yourself, how did that fuzzball get in my hair, all right? Go ahead, come on, back over here, guys, back over here. I'm so scared you're going to drop this. Oh, that's not funny, not funny about someone. Okay, but we've all, we've all looked in a mirror. We've all, we've all gone to a store, you know, and you're not even trying clothes on. You guys can go ahead and, and put that over there. And, and we've all walked by a mirror, we've all seen a mirror, and we, we can't walk past it without seeing our reflection because mirrors do a great job of, of letting us see ourselves. That's kind of their job, right? And so these verses are saying, if we're able to look at God, if we're able to look into our relationship with him, as we get to know him, as we, as we see him, as we see his character, if we're able to look at him and, 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 and honestly see that, that maybe something is being pointed out to us, that something is wrong with us, that something needs fixed, if we're able to look at those things and, and not change them, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty foolish, pretty crazy, right? You would, you would never wake up and, and say, hey, I've got a, a big zit on the end of my nose. Well, time to go to work, right? That would have been your worst nightmare in high school, right? Because everyone was going to make fun of you. You never would have said, hey, my hair looks like I was in a tornado. I guess I'll just go to class now. No, no one would ever do that. Because when we see something that's wrong with ourselves, when we see something that's obvious, see something that needs pointed out, see something that needs fixed or changed, we change it. And so these, these verses are saying there's no way that you, can, that you can look in a mirror. There's no way that you can see something that God is pointing out to you. There's no way that you can see something that needs fixed and not fix it. Remember, the message of Christ it's talking, is, is a message to obey. Verse 22 says, this is not just a message to listen to. If you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. For if you just listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror but doing nothing to improve your appearance. Verse 24 says, you see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Sometimes as, as we spend time with God, we spend time in his word, we spend time praying, as, as Allison pointed out to us. Sometimes we spend time in community, we spend time with the body of Christ, we spend time with people who we share life with, and we, we see things. Maybe, maybe God's saying, hey, I want to I tweak this part of your character, I want to change this this small part of your attitude. Hey, have you ever thought about this aspect of your marriage or this aspect of, of your testimony, the way people see you in public? Have you ever thought about this part of your relationship with me? And God makes something obvious. Maybe, maybe through his word, maybe through prayer, maybe through others, maybe just the way that, that we watch others and we see something that we admire. But God says, I want this to morph. I want this to change. I want this to be fixed. And sometimes we think, nah, that's, that's good. No one will... No one will notice. I didn't see that. When you're looking in a mirror, it's pointing out the flaws and the things that need change, the things that need updated in yourself. God's word, relationship with God is like that. He's pointing out things in our character that need to change so that we can be more like his son. He's pointing out things in us that need to be different so that we can live as a light to the world. These verses uh, at the end are, are kind of funny. Verse 26 is down here. It's just like a P.S. on the end of the letter, right? This is, P.S. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless, right? Next time you write a letter or an email, just like tack that on the end to someone. Like, it's talking about your life. It's talking about these things. Hey, if you see something that God wants you to fix, think about that. Take it into consideration. Make the adjustment. Look in the mirror. Do what you have to do. P.S. If you're running your mouth, you should stop that. P.S. Your, your tongue could get you in trouble. Let me, let me just throw that on there at the end, right? And there's another one, too. It says, oh, and by the way, P.S.S. I think that's how you say it, right? Or is it P.P.S.? I don't know, all right? Anyway, 
Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. Right? So it's just saying, like, hey, as you're, as you're looking into God's will, as you're, as you're becoming more like him, as you're growing, as you're seeing things that he wants to change in your character because his word is a mirror for our lives, all right? because being around his body is a mirror for our lives, and you, you see things that need to change, you should change those. Because the goal here is to live for Christ, to obey him, to honor him. And then he's, he's just saying, oh, by the way, Here's a, here's a hint, some things you might want to change. Your tongue could get you in trouble, all right? And uh, here's another one. The way that you look at orphans and widows, the way that we care for them, the way that we view them, needs to be the same way that, that Christ views them. Basically implying that all too often, Christians get that wrong, right? We think that we're awesome. We think that we're incredible. We think that we're above certain people, and, and we don't like to care for them. We don't like to protect them. We don't like to look out for them with the same attitude of Christ. And so this is saying, hey, there's some things in your character that need to switch. Here's two good recommendations, and James is a, is a practical book. Because last week we, uh, we said that we're often faced with choices. And as we're faced with choices, sometimes we think that our, our faith is, is failing or declining or, or dead. And this book is saying, if you feel like your faith is dead, if you feel like your faith isn't progressing, you're not growing, it's probably because you're doing too much talking and you're not listening. It's probably because you're seeing things in a mirror but you're not admitting what you see. You're not being conscious of what God is showing you. You're not being conscious of what he's saying to you. And so if we have a faith that we think is, is drying up, or we have a, a faith that, that is getting stale, or we have a faith that's not doing good, it's because we're ignoring the things that are in front of us. It's because we're ignoring what God is trying to say, what God wants us to hear. Let's jump over uh, to chapter 2. I want to just spend some time here in uh, chapter, or in verse 14. So let's read that together as we continue this book. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith can't save anyone. Suppose you see a brother or sister who need, needs food or clothing and you say, well, goodbye and God bless you. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? I think it's ironic that after, after this, this passage, these chapters have talked about, hey, you're, you're, you're not really living out your faith right. Here's something you want to be conscious of. God is trying to change you. God is trying to tell you something. God is trying to show you some things. And then basically we're given an example because let's be honest, this is something that, that every Christian throughout the, the course of history, no matter what country or continent they lived on, has struggled with. We know truth. We know what God has done for us. We know that Jesus died on the cross so that we could have life. And yet often it's, it's just knowledge. It, it doesn't change us. And so there's a rhetorical question here. Sometimes I think that we, we think the Bible is, is a very serious book, and it is. And yet I think that you almost want to laugh as you read this because there's a rhetorical question. It, you know, it says, what good does that do? Saying, hey, if you see people in need, you see people that need, need clothes, you see people that need food, and, and your faith isn't enough to make you respond, what good does that do? And it's not something that we have to respond to, because it's a pretty obvious answer, right? It does no good. It does nothing. When we see people in need, when Christians see people in need, when we see a hurting world around us, and we don't respond, because we're too busy looking in the mirror and thinking, wow, I look, I look really good today. Man, I'm so glad I wore that outfit. This is awesome. Wow. I, I bet people are noticing me. Rather than, rather than looking in the mirror and thinking, there's something, something wrong there. There's something I've got to fix. 
something I've got to change, something that God wants to, to morph in me a little bit, it's something that God wants me to change in my character, in my relationship with him. He's trying to tell me something. He's trying to, he's trying to show me something. Verse 17 says this, So you see, it isn't enough just to have faith, just to believe, it's saying. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It's dead and useless. And so when we say that we have faith, when we have a head knowledge, when we, when we have these beliefs, but that's all they are is a concept in our head, this passage is saying that, that that's no good. If our faith, if our belief, if what we know of what God wants from us, if what we know of our relationship with Jesus doesn't lead to a response, doesn't lead to action, doesn't lead to us doing something and impacting this world, impacting the people around us, this passage says it's useless. It's dead. Dead and useless faith is the result of of not listening, not seeing, not doing. Verse 18 says this, Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. Right? We've, we've all heard that. Like, well, that's, that's not my gifting. I'm more of, a, more of a, an anchor type personality. I'm, I've always been very faithful, and I, 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 I like to read. I like to know things. We have different personalities and different giftings. We just talked about that. But there's a reality. As we have knowledge, as we have a relationship with Christ, it has to push us to action. It doesn't matter if, if you're an extrovert or if, if you think that you're great with people. The reality is Christ cared for the world. And so if you know him and you love him and you value the things that he does, you will care for the world too. It will push you out of your comfort zone. So we can't say, well, some people have faith and, and some have deeds. Because this is saying right here, I say, I, can see, I can't see your faith if you don't have good deeds. But I will show you my faith through my good deeds. Saying that the two are the same thing. Faith and deeds, belief and action, they're tied together. They go together. Verse 19. Do you still think it's enough just to believe that there's one God? We've all heard that, right? People will say, what do you, what do you believe? And people will say, well, I believe in God. How do you know that's enough? Well, I, I believe in God. I'm a, I'm a good person and feel like that's, that's what I've kind of anchored my life on. Verse 19, do you still think it's enough to believe that there's one God? Well, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. A knowledge of God, a conscious knowledge of God is, is not enough to save us. Knowing that there is a God does not do anything for us. Satan himself knows who God is. He knows that Jesus died on the cross, and he knows that he's coming back. He knows that he's, he's going to take us to heaven. He knows all of these things, and yet they don't change who he is. They don't change his character. They don't change his action. So we have to know more. We have to do more. This is, uh, this is the book saying this, not me, all right? But verse 20 says, fool, exclamation point, all right? I would never call you guys a fool. I would never call anyone a fool. That would be terrible, right? You're supposed to watch your tongue and be slow to speak, and we already learned that, right? So I wouldn't do that, but they're saying here, if, if you think that just knowing about God, knowing of God, hearing that there is a God is enough to, to make you feel good or warm and fuzzy or... Or make your life count for something that's, that's not reality. Our belief has to push us to action. Our knowledge of God has to push us to live for him. To give our life to him. This verse says, fool. When will you ever learn that faith that does not result in good deeds is useless? 
All too often the world looks at our, at our faith that we say that Christians have, and they think, okay, your, your spending habits are just like ours. Your, your marriage looks a lot like everybody else's. The way you gossip at work doesn't really stand out to me. The way you treat other people is nothing special. The way you interact with your kids, not impressed. The way that you go out on the weekends looks a lot like everyone else. And so the world looks at us and, and says, your deeds, your action, they don't reflect anything that you say. It's, it's empty. It's, it's useless. It's dead. Verse 21 says this. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was declared right with God because of what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Abraham was a man who listened to what God was asking of him, who saw what God was asking of him, and at different points in his life, he responded by faith. Not because things made sense, not because he thought, you know what, I want to sacrifice my son on an altar today, but because God asked him to do that, because God, God put that in front of him. God ended up saving his son, and he didn't have to do that, but it was a moment that God was, was basically saying, will this guy follow me? Will he give me everything he has? So we're saying that, that our, our faith, our knowledge, has to result in deeds. We have to live by faith and be controlled and give everything to God. Verse 22 says this, you see, talking about Abraham, he was trusting God so much that he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. His faith was made complete by what he did, by his actions. Our faith is made complete. Our faith comes to life. Our faith becomes real as it pushes us to action as we respond, as we live out what's in our heart, as we live out what God has put in our heart, as we live out what he's told us, what he's shown us, what he's asked us to do, that's when our faith becomes real. Verse 23 says, And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are not made right with God by what we do. We are, we are made right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. I think often... We, we read this passage and we think, well, Abraham, he's like, he's maybe the, the coolest Christian ever, right? He was, he was so good at loving God and following God. He's mentioned in the Bible and he's popular and I, I'm, I'm not that guy. There's another example here, verse 25. It says, Rahab the prostitute is another example of this. She was made right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Rahab was someone who was in a situation where, where she could help out the people of God. She could help out the nation of Israel as they were looking to, uh, to go into battle. They were out scouting a territory, and she basically hid some of the guys in, in God's army and helped them out and helped them avoid death and, and being killed and being found and because God had, had shown that to her, because God had asked her to do that, because God had put that in front of her, and she knew that that was a practical way that she could respond and live out what God had put in her heart. Verse 26 ends the chapter and says this, Just as the body is dead without a spirit, so also faith is dead without good deeds. If our faith does not result in action, people look at us and say, what's the difference? Where's, where's all this Jesus you're talking about? Where's this, where's this God stuff? I see a lot of talk. I see a lot of promises. I see that you have a cool Christian t-shirt. You have a sticker on your car. I know you get out of bed every Sunday, but where's, where's the difference? I've got a, got a video that we 
I want to show you guys, and I think that this will um, kind of bring this into perspective. And so we'll go ahead and, uh, and roll that. You guys can, can check this out. And maybe maybe this will make this chapter make sense. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. To pay the bills now, we've taken on corporate sponsors. So that, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Wendy's did not pay us to show that, but I, I, I thought of that this week as I was reading this passage, and maybe, uh, maybe that makes me old in the room, and some of you are thinking, I'm way older than that guy, how can he be old? But some of you have never seen that commercial. That was a, that was a commercial that was popular for a while, and that, that woman there, Clara Peller, actually, they made t-shirts. I think she, I, I read somewhere that she got to, they recorded a song called Where's the Beef? So I guess like if she's the 80s version of Paris Hilton, like they can, they can give anyone a, a, a name and a, an album. But uh, I, love that. I love that commercial because it's so simple. It, it's, it's pointing the finger at McDonald's and Burger King and other places. It's saying, hey, you talk a good game. You say that you deliver this. You say that you're about this. You say that this is, this is your goal. And yet we're, we're kind of looking, looking under the hood here, looking inside the burger. There's nothing there. There's no content. There's, there's nothing in the middle. Where's the beef? So I... I feel like the, the world looks at us and says the same thing. Where's, where's this God you tell me so much about? I, I see you doing little things. I see you get out of bed every Sunday. I see that every Christmas you give $50 to United Way. I, I see that you try not to swear around older people when you're at your grandma's for, for Christmas. But where is the beef? Where is the action? Where is the life change? Where does what you say is in your heart translate to your actions and your life and your speech, and your relationships, and the way you share the gospel with the world. Where is the beef? Where is this God you speak of? Where is Jesus in your life? Struggling faith, declining faith, a useless faith, a dying faith, is a result of one thing. Not listening, not seeing, not, not doing what God has put in front of us, what he's put in our heart, what he's asked us to do. Not responding, sitting still and just, just having knowledge. So the question that we want to ask today as a church as we've looked at this, this passage in James. What is, God, what is God saying to you? As you spend time with God, as you get to know him, as you read his word, as you pray to him, as you spend time around the body of Christ, his people and community, many of us are in movement groups, as you see other Christians and, and maybe they, they're an example to you in some ways, as you look at other marriages, other relationships, other people, and you interact with God, what is he saying to you? What is he asking you to do? What's he showing you? As you've looked in the mirror, have you seen things that maybe need eliminated from your life? Maybe the reason that you're, you're tempted is because you're, you're often hanging out with, with things that are tempting. And maybe those things need, need taken away. What has God shown you about your character that needs addressed? What has he shown you about your personality? What has he shown you about your, your work habits? What has he shown you about the fruit of the Spirit in your life? What is God saying to you? What is God showing you? 
What is God asking of you? What is your response? Because if we, if we hear what God is saying to us and we don't respond, our faith is useless. And if we see what God wants us to change and we don't respond, our faith is useless. And if we know who God is and we know what he wants from us and we know that he wants our lives, he wants our hearts, he wants our action, he wants our deeds and we do nothing, our faith is dead. The word dead and, and movement don't go well together. I'm not in marketing, but I do know that, right? The word, the word dead and movement don't go together. And, and as we've started Movement Church, we've said that we want to be intentional and contagious with the gospel. That's what the word movement means. To be intentional, we have to know what God is saying to us. We have to know what God is asking. For something to be contagious... There has to be action, and it has to be passed on. And so those are our questions today. What is God showing you? What is God saying to you? What is God asking you to do? Because we don't want to be a place that's full of useless and dead faith. We want to be a place that's full of people who are made alive in Christ, people who are multiplying themselves, people who are taking the gospel to the world, people who are sharpening others, and people who are responding with their life and responding with their heart to what God is doing in us. That is the goal. The goal is not to come and sit in these mediocre plastic chairs till our, till our legs go numb for a couple hours a week, right? The goal is that we're being changed to be more like Christ. And as we spend time with him and his people, he's showing us things that we need to respond, we need to act. We bow your heads and, and pray with me this morning? Before we do that, I, I feel like I would be missing out if I, if I didn't say this. I think... Some of us, for the first time, are realizing that God created us to know him, that God created us to be in relationship with him, and unfortunately, the, the junk in our lives, the, the sin that's in our lives, the things that we do that are wrong, take us out of relationship with the holy God. God loved us so much that, that he wanted to correct that relationship, and so he sent his son, Jesus, to this, this earth, to this world, to live a perfect life. So that when, when Jesus was, uh, was crucified on the cross, it wasn't because he deserved it. It was because he was paying the, the penalty for our sin. And through his death, he took the penalty for our sin. And through his resurrection, through rising from the dead three days later, he gave us life. He gave us relationship and he gave us a bridge to God the Father. Some of us, for the first time, are maybe just interacting with that as we're finding our way back to God, as we're in church for the first time in, in months or years, as we're being honest with, with where we are and what God is saying to us. And so I, I want to offer an opportunity to respond to that first. If for the first time you're saying, I understand that I was created to know God, and I understand that by putting my faith, my hope, my trust, my love in Jesus, I'm given relationship to God the Father, and I'm made whole, I'm made complete. I'm able to be the person that I was created to be and live to honor and glorify God. If you believe this morning that 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 is what God is showing you, that is what God is saying to you, that's what God is telling you, that's what he wants from you, he wants your response, he wants your life, he wants action. I want to give you a chance to to make that public and so I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm just going to ask you 
If you're interested in making that decision and trusting Jesus as your Savior, giving your life to Him and, and being made complete in God, I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and, and put your hand up where you're at and say, that's, that's a decision that, that I want to make today. That's a decision that God is asking me to make. That's a decision that God has put in my heart and I want to respond today. You don't have to feel, feel any pressure, but when God is moving your life and God is moving your heart, it's our job to respond with action. And so if that's you, go ahead and, and put your hand up where you're at. I'd love to, to talk to you after a service and, and tell you more about that relationship. Go ahead and put your, put your hand up and say, yep, I want to talk about that. I want to know more. Many of us in the room have been following Christ for a long time. We've grown up in church. We've been in church. We've been in campus ministries. And yet this, this passage hit us hard today because we realize that we're, we're defined by many things, but not by our response. So I want us to just be honest. What, what is God asking of you today? What is God saying to you? What has God put in your heart? If you've trusted Jesus as your as your Savior, the Bible tells us that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit is working you, is illuminating things, and is, is pointing things out to you. That is not my job to do. But I believe that, that as we read God's Word, because it's living and active and powerful, God has, has put something in your heart, something that, that you need to do to live by faith, to act out your faith, to respond. What is that thing that God has put in your heart? And what are you going to do about it? We want to take a, a moment this morning and just sing and and worship and respond to God. But I, I want to let you know this. If you want to come up here and, and talk to me, talk to Sarah, maybe you just want to come up here and, and kneel before God and pray and say, God, I realize that you've been asking me to do this. I realize that this is what you've been calling me to do and I've ignored you. I've looked in the mirror. I've seen how you wanted to change me, how you wanted to mold me. And I ignored it, God. I'm sorry. Please change me. Please help me to act by faith. You can, you can do that in your seat as we sing. You can come up here and, and kneel and, and pray with someone. But we want to be a church, like I said, that is intentional, that is contagious, and that is alive. That means we listen to God, we see what God wants from us, and we act in faith. God, help us this morning to be a church that lives by faith. Lord, help us to be a church that responds to what you're doing, responds to what you're asking. Lord, like, like Abraham, like Rahab, Lord, help us to just simply do what you want, to give you our obedience, give you our heart, and give you our everything. Lord, that will be intentional and that will be contagious. Lord, be with us now as we worship, as we respond to you. Help us to give you our, our everything. Help us to give you our will. Help us to give you, as a simple offering, our, our voices and our attitudes. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen.